Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast that talks about all sorts of things that affects therapists. And this episode, we are specifically looking at burnout during COVID-19 and the way that that's affecting us. And to be honest, this is not an episode that has a whole lot of groundbreaking new stuff. This is <laughs> no. kind of putting together <laughs> a bunch of stuff from before, but it really feels like a lot of us are struggling through some things. We're seeing some articles all over the place from journal articles and popular media articles. We'll get into those here in the episode a little bit about just how therapists are struggling themselves during this time. And we're part of that frontline healthcare workforce that's supposed to be getting out there and helping people. I know in my practice, I am busier than ever with clients calling back in old people who you know terminated with me a couple of years ago, returning. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it's hard. And we're hearing this from a lot of our modern therapist community as well. And we wanted to go through just kind of a a reminder of some of the things that can help people, why we're in this situation in the first place, and specifically why therapists are struggling in the way that we do. We are going to attempt to do this with a sense of humor to kind of lighten the mood a little bit here. But Although I don't know we have much of a sense of humor left. We're going to try. We're going to (laughs) try. Yes. So... This is something where we've seen some articles kind of throughout the pandemic about healthcare workers. Many of those articles focus on the medical doctors, the frontline healthcare professionals who deal with the physical end of things, the EMTs, the nurses, the people who are very much deserving to be having the first articles written about them. Yes. And and they're on the front lines in very visceral ways, very physical ways. I feel like oftentimes therapists are are more on the front lines in emotional ways, but it, the word that came to mind as you were starting to describe this was kind of this more mundane, like we're dealing with people talking on a screen. <laughs> so it doesn't feel as, as dramatic. It's not as good uh, articles. And throughout all of our our work on this podcast, we look for a lot of articles that deal with mental health care, workforce sort of issues, and studies about therapists. And it's just not an area of the field that's studied or looked at a whole lot. You know, most of our articles are written about what therapists should do to clients. They don't 
really look at what's going on with therapists. And that's yeah. a big inspiration for why we have this podcast in the first place. Getting into some of the whys, though, of why we're in our particular situation now, why a lot of therapists are feeling this funk. I'm looking at an article from the Asian Journal of Psychiatry called Burnout, a Risk Factor Amongst Mental Health Professionals During COVID-19. And this is by Joshi and Sharma. And they describe, they're, they're talking about the mental health workforce in India, but I think at this point, this applies to pretty much all over the world. Sure. Uh, a number of factors that go into the particular issues that affect mental health care workers. And the first thing that they identified is a thing that they call emotional contagion and perceived stress. This is the negative feelings and emotions of one person can directly trigger similar emotions in another person. And with a lot of us as therapists that we take on the feelings that our clients have, you know, call it counter-transference, call it whatever, but it's a very real thing that affects us. And especially, you know, as Katie mentions that we're, we're taking this on on the screens that, you know, trying to provide hope to other people in this time of not knowing what's coming next is just kind of really hard because we don't know what's coming next. Well, and I think there's been times, and I think I talked about this in one of the first episodes that we did after you know, quarantine and then the pandemic is sometimes I'm finding out the news from my clients. And so I'm reacting in real time. There are elements of the situations, whether it's the pandemic or the system of government or, you know, racial injustice or any of the hot topics, you know, kind of issues that we're facing as a society. Sometimes we're finding out about them right before a session, during a session, after a session when we haven't figured out what this client was talking about. Like there's there's just so much going on and and then processing our reactions at the same time that they're processing their reactions can I would imagine that would heighten the the emotionality of the situation and the contagion in that situation. And this leads to Joshi and Sharma's second point, which is a uh, compassion fatigue. Now we've discussed compassion oh, yeah. fatigue before, but very much building off of what Katie was just talking there is therapists during this ongoing pandemic are not staying as centered and objective about things. Oh, yeah. And so they're getting over-involved with their clients because it's a different sort of connection that we have over screens. We we see people in their more natural environment a little bit. We hear, you know, kids screaming in the background. We see pets running in and out. We see people in their own despair, in their own environment. I know for some of the clients that I have that are facing issues around depression, that it's so much more visceral seeing them stuck in their own environment than even yeah. in that same depression is if they'd come into my office. Well, and, and to acknowledge that there are modern therapists who are potentially doing walk and talk therapy or in their offices or those kinds of things. There's still this element, I think of being in it together, being in it in a different way. Like there's a, a human interaction that's happening around navigating mask or no mask. How are we going to keep each other safe? You know, or, do we both believe in it? Like there's just, there's a human element that hasn't been there before, I think, or, or maybe not in the same way that really allows the therapist to drop some of the, I think, professional armor 
that we typically wear to to keep those boundaries up. And and I think there's also, I mean, and we call for being a whole person therapist and bring yourself into the room. And I think it's that's harder to do when there's so much to respond to and so much humanity that you're facing with your work. The article goes on to talk about secondary traumatic stress and the way that therapists kind of not having their usual go-to sort of self-care sort of things in order to deal with the very difficult stories we have. And especially as the pandemic goes on, those therapists who are working with grief and really severe trauma of you know, we have a number of ways that we've encouraged people before to manage their self-care. We'll get into kind of some of our tips when, uh, a little bit later here in this episode, but that all of our literature around managing our own reactions, making sure that we don't take on that secondary trauma, getting into our own PTSD around client reactions is super important as this continues to go on as people lose their despair, those grief clients that have lost people due to this, the frustrations around everything else going on in the news Mm -hmm. that really leads us to not having the self-care tools put in place to manage ourselves. Well, and I think the the piece that I've really identified is this lack of in-person community. I think that there are, are things, and we'll talk about this later, is to to help mitigate some of the impacts of that. But I I, I think about whether it's myself and I, I've got my office mate. Well, he's going into the office, but I'm not. So I don't see him. I don't know the last time I, we text every once in a while, but we're pretty individual, but we'll like bop around the office and see each other. I've got a colleague downstairs that if things are going on, I'll pop down there and talk with her. Like there's not that just incidental interaction. It requires deliberate intent to have someone to c- consult with after a hard case to to reach out and i think that there are ways to do that and, and there may be people who are better at it than i am on a general basis but like group practices where you're just all in the in the space that's just not happening so you don't have that community of therapists around you as much and you're not like I haven't been to a camped meeting in forever right. and i have like there's just <laughs> like like i'm not seeing people in person so there's there's that that element of just feeling very isolated in the work for myself. And I've noticed this even in teaching. I teach at a couple of universities here, but moving into Zoom and having students who are way too polite and having their their microphones off during my lecture part, I, as a more extroverted type person, you know, I crack a lot of jokes when I teach, but it's hard not getting even the feedback. And so it kind of leaves me even in the space of like, Am I actually funny or is it you know, just like... <laughs> I think that's a good question for you, Kurt. <laughs> uh, but, you know, in, in determining this, and this goes back to the article here, the, we have this question around, are we being effective? And is therapy as effective? Mm. And I think that this is one that I, I really wish this article even got more in depth on, but we don't know that we're actually helping people. And even for those of us who are doing feedback-informed treatment, we're doing things like outcome rating scales and stuff, I'm noticing that people aren't improving. Now, it's not necessarily meaning that people are not getting better. I'm helping some clients evaluate that what we're doing is preventing them from getting worse. 
Sure. And I think that that's something important for us all to consider in, in our work right now is if it feels like we're just trudging through things, it may be that we're actually just helping people not fall into worse situations. Sure. And I, I think that there's also the readiness of each of the clients for if you're doing telehealth, you know, a telehealth style of treatment, the acceptance of that, the what they're facing already, whether or not you were on telehealth prior. I mean, I'm, there's some clients I'm doing really intense, positive work where we're making big strides and there's some where it's, you know, which is helpful because for a period of time, it felt like I was just treading water with everyone. But there are definitely clients where it is maintenance to make sure that it doesn't get worse. And and it feels kind of, and I, I before we started recording, I said, it's it's this kind of idea of like, we're all on a plane, just biding our time until we arrive. <laughs> and so it's it's this this kind of stasis almost where there's this desire to be doing something maybe meaningful or powerful, but the the recognition that there's really not for some folks, there's not a lot we can do because the situation isn't changing. We're not changing dramatically enough to make a difference. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. And this is the the last point from this article that I want to bring up, which is that they're noticing longer duration of therapy that yeah. people who have you know, pre-existing mental health conditions are now being faced with, you know, Corona anxiety or yeah. other issues that are added on top of it. And you know, even some of our clients that may have been more likely for short-term therapy before, yeah, after 12, 15, 20 sessions, whatever short-term therapy would have been in normal times, they're still <laughs> faced with those issues after 12, 15, 20 sessions of needing to deal with the world. And yeah. so we're seeing clients for longer periods of times. It's not feeling as effective. It's then it's everything else that's going on with how we are managing that even though we don't have, you know, our commute to work anymore. I'm noticing a lot of the therapists that I'm talking to are filling in that normal commute time with more clients. Yeah. And when we don't have the burdens of structural things put into our day, like driving, like going to network meetings and this kind of stuff, just because that availability is not there, we're left with a lot of boredom. 
And yeah. I know for me, it's really easy to just be like, well, I got nothing else going on. It's easy to throw another client in my schedule right here. Well, and I think there's there's a boredom and a kind of an inertia toward do, doing more of the same, which is I can see more clients, but I think there's also a lack of separation. And so feeling like I should be doing something right now. There's, you know, I want to distract myself. I want to do things and there's not other ways to distract yourself. And, and this is obviously different for different folks. Some people have a lot of family obligations that then become the other responsibility or dare I say burden or, or those kinds of things that can can then add to some of these, this need for rest and and vacation and other things that we'll talk about. But but there's this lack of separation that I think happens for a lot of folks where, you know, you have to kind of go back and forth between work and home all day long. And so then there's not a time where I'm like, I'm cutting off the day or there's, you know, there's nothing else to do. So let's take another client or for you and I, let's record another podcast episode or let's edit one or let's do the show notes or, you know, whatever it is, let's start a new initiative. Let's write some new marketing copy. Like it just, it feels like filling time with work can be a big risk and we don't have commutes or any kind of separation to close that out, you know? And so it becomes, I think there was a meme that was going around. I don't, I forgot. Do, do I work from home or do I live at work? Ah, I hadn't seen that one. <laughs> So another thing that I want to make sure that we don't forget before we start getting into to some more solutions, hopefully, is this financial element of it. Because as soon as the pandemic ha- hit, and you've talked about clients losing jobs, I've had clients lose jobs. Like there's there's an episode from Tiffany at Hey Tiffany about raising fees in a pandemic. So I'm going to listen to that and I'll link to it in the show notes. <laughs> And maybe we'll have to ask her about it when she comes on to the podcast soon. But but I I was planning to raise my fees in March and I did not. And I'm hearing a lot of folks who haven't raised fees, who maybe have taken on clients at lower fees or more insurance clients. I've seen people who have stagnated to a certain extent their income out of either wanting to give back or fear of losing enough revenue because of what's going to happen. We're going into a depression. And so there's, there's potentially less match with clients. You know, there's, there's some of the stuff that we talked about that people do at the beginning of their practice. It's, it's too many clients, not enough income and not, not really an idea of how to shift it without basically sounding like an asshole. (laughs) during a pandemic. So that's a whole other conversation, but I think that that continues this work becomes more of a grind because you're you're not necessarily holding up to the highest standards of vetting clients and setting fees and that kind of stuff. This is something where, you know, we've talked about some of this fee stuff before. We had our gaslighting mental health therapist yeah episode earlier in the in the year that was talking about this pressure that was going to come on us to come and serve everybody with all of the training that we have all of the things that we should be prepared for that we should be excellent during this time and not having the motivation or the capacity to put ourselves up to that high standard diminishes services and it is something that then becomes a 
circle that falls, you know, spiral that it ends up following yeah. on itself. And and one more thing that I think is unique to modern therapists is that like you and I, we have other things that we're doing. So we have the podcast, we have the conference, we have some cult consulting that we do. Like there's there's stuff outside of the the one-on-one sessions with our therapy clients. And I've been in some groups that I'm talking with hearing a lot of lack of creativity or inspiration, a lack of motivation, potentially that Sunday night dread around whatever you've created. Like there's there's this exhaustion around just everything, I think. And, and that's leading to the lack of creativity, the lack of inspiration, and the lack of motivation in these other things that maybe have enriched your work life in the past. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's, there's this kind of overall malaise that has, has landed and maybe hopefully it's not just like people are like, no, I'm fine, Katie, you're just hanging around with, you know, people that are all sad, <laughs> but, but it seems like there's, there's a malaise that's hit everybody. We're like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to do anything. I'm bored, but I don't want to do anything different. and boy does that sound like depression but yeah this i want to pivot at this point to some of the stuff that we can be doing and this is it's not groundbreaking because a lot of the stuff we've talked about before even on this on this podcast but it's the way to incorporate this kind of stuff into our lives during a pandemic yeah, and so this is you know, some of our highlights from you know dealing with compassion fatigue, you know, structural self care, these kinds of things. And you'd written a, a blog article too about some of this stuff. So I don't want to steal your thunder on this. Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'll, what I'll do, I'll, I'm going to update the blog post and put it on ours. But it, but I'll link to the to the article over at Brighter Vision where it's been published. Okay, so the, I think the biggest thing that I've found is helpful for some folks. And and I want to put a caveat that none of this is necessarily simple or easy even. It's it's not necessarily a, you know, it's not going to necessarily solve the problem, but I think it's just a way to be more thoughtful around how you're managing your time at this point. And this, the biggest first thing is really doing a self-assessment because I think oftentimes if we get into that kind of the trudge, the daily grind, we're just, it's just task, 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 task. It's like, okay, what do I need to accomplish today? I've got this done. Okay. Now I can go and Netflix and chill. And I think when we allow that to go on for too long, we end up just kind of sinking deeper into this kind of (laughs) our own self-created burnout machine. And so I think, being able to figure out what can change and how you can change it, even during this time, I think is really important. So the the questions that I put into this, uh, the first one is, what are my practical needs right now? And I think oftentimes there's a lot of shoulds that happen because as entrepreneurs, and this is this I've been grappling with this since the conference finished. I'm like, I should be doing so much to to get prepared for 2021. I should be doing all this thing, all this stuff for my consulting business. I should do all this stuff. And I'm like, no, I need to actually rest. Right. <laughs> like I, I recognize that. I, I grapple with the, the the two different pieces there. But when we're actually looking at what do I need to do? That comes down to what your actual practical needs are. How much money do you need to make 
What do you need to have on your schedule? What do you need to be doing for your family or for your loved ones? Like, what do you need to do at the bare minimum? Because I think that if you can actually get rid of the shoulds and go down to the bare minimum, it gives you at least a baseline. And you could go down to that baseline when you need to. Now, obviously, there are things that that may be impacted by stuff you cannot control, like how much money you're making at different times or things that are happening with your family or illness or those kinds of things. But getting down to what absolutely do I need to make sure is in my calendar and in my task list, it can give you freedom to say no to the rest of the stuff. I'm not going to say that you're going to because then that would be a pretty dreary life. But I think it's it's getting down to that. And a large part of that is working on acceptance. It's accepting mm-hmm. the situation that you have, the situation that you're capable of doing. And yeah. you know, some of these projects that we've all thought about, you know, at the beginning of, of quarantine, we were all thinking, you know, I'm going to get so much stuff done. And then, yeah, then we did. Some of it's happened, but of- a lot of it has not. <laughs> And it's really being able to have an honest self-evaluation, as Katie's talking about, of what you're capable of and what you need to do for yourself in order to meet your biggest priorities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for whatever your situation is, I know for me having kids, there's a really hard balance between being a parent slash educator slash play buddy along with meeting all of my work requirements and having realistic expectations of all of those areas may mean cutting back on what you're capable of. You know, we're, we're people, we're not superheroes. Exactly. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. And, And that actually leads to my second question, which I think reminds me of kind of some solutions that you've come up with within your family. It's what resources do I have available to me? Because I think oftentimes we don't initially switch from this is me at my best. This is what I'm doing at my best to, okay, now the things are hard. What, what chips can I call in? What resources can I access? What, you know, it's, it's oftentimes difficult to make that transition, whether it's difficulty asking for help or difficulty acknowledging like this is a tough time and I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. And so sometimes it can be like, do I have financial reserves that can allow me to not break my back working right now? Or it could be, do I have family members who can help with childcare? Or do I have you know, whatever it is, you know, do I have different types of spaces within my home so that I can, can create separation between work and home? Like it's, it's looking at what actually can I use that I already have or could get access to that will help me to, to navigate this more effectively, making sure to take care of those practical needs. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's just a slight nuance, but I think it's an important one. And I think it's oftentimes therapists are notoriously bad at asking for help 
you hit on a point there that I want to expand on a little bit more is if you haven't separated your workspace from the rest of what you do, do mm -hmm. it. And, you know, yeah. this is important for us to, you know, not just be sitting at our desk all day, eating our lunch in front of our computer while yeah. we scroll through social media or emails while we eat of really chunking out your day, either physically, you know, you have your little workstation, you know, even, even for my kids, you know, they have their school station set up in the house yeah. and then that's different from where they sleep. It's different from, you know, the table where they eat. It's, but it's also chunking out our time temporally that we yeah. really keep those boundaries separate there too. And I think, and I want to acknowledge that there are folks that are going to find different ways to do this. And, and if you don't have a physical space, it's even, you know, you know, whether it's rituals or other ways that you close out work, even if you can't create a whole separate space, like if you're in a studio apartment, everything is in the same room, right? So I think it's being I mean, able it's to either divide the room up, it can be having a way to close the laptop and put it in some, you know, put it out of sight. I think there's, you know, blocking stuff on your phone at a certain point. Like, I think it's, it's allowing yourself to create some sort of separation in whatever way that you can. And even if your ritual is just, you know, you put your laptop away in your laptop bag and that signifies the end of your workday. And then you, mm -hmm use the same laptop to go and watch Netflix, you know, take it out and have your ritual, like really just <laughs> separate it out of even just yeah. that small little mental step there. Yeah. Yeah. And if it has to be ritual versus physical, I think it, it can still work. I think the other thing, and this is, this is going to a, a more positive place, but it's what opportunities have become available to me. And I think Maybe this is a little bit too optimistic for some folks. And so if if this sounds, if you want to throw your listening device somewhere, your phone, your laptop, whatever, at this point, feel free, just go pick it back up for the next one. I promise I get serious again. But like, there are things that have become available. I mean, I guess we had to do this with our conference is like, there were things that shifted for us when we had to go 100% virtual. And so we looked at those opportunities and we actually identified new speakers. We, we got attendees from all over the country. You know, there were, there were things that we were able to do in a virtual space we couldn't do in a physical space. And so I think for your practice or, or your, your side hustle or whatever, there may be new opportunities that have become available to you. For your family, there may have been new opportunities that became available to you. For folks who are actually cleaning out their closets and doing home improvement projects and learning how to bake sourdough and those kinds of things, like there have been new opportunities. And so being able to identify those things so there feels a little bit of a forward progress or some taking advantage of, of the situation in a positive way, I think that can be pretty helpful. I got nothing to add on that. <laughs> okay. Well, the next one is what new challenges, threats, or risks am I facing? And I think this speaks to tempering everything else with what does it make sense to do? What might I face? And how do I mitigate risk? I think we, we did a full podcast episode on this. I've got a whole blog post. I'll link it in the show notes about making these complicated decisions. But I think that is another part of the assessment so that you feel like you're aligned with how you want to, to navigate through times that, that involve more risk than normal. And I think a lot of therapists that I'm talking to at all stages of their career are operating out of a place of fear. 
that mm-hmm. whether it's you know fear of what the economy is going to look like in the next year or so what that's going to mean for jobs what that's going to mean as far as our, our fear of our physical health our fear yeah. of you know going out in public to the grocery store and you know yeah. being on high alert that every person out there is a potential spreader of covid yeah that so much of this is you know operating out of this negative feeling space in a field that typically draws very risk averse people in the first place <laughs> true so it's being able to not look just on on this side of you know what are what are our risks but balancing out to Katie's last point of you know, balancing out what some of those opportunities are so that way we're not just you know on the negative side of the math yes yes and then the final part of the self assessment and this is also again looking forward is what is my ideal situation if things do not go back to normal and i think this was written several months ago and I feel like it's still relevant. I think a lot of people have settled more into this is how things are going to be for quite some time. But I think it's important to identify that making a situation that actually can be sustainable, whether it's making sure that you have a good desk chair or that you've created your telehealth setup the way you wanted to, or that you've created systems in your office to to keep things healthy and and flowing you know whatever it is you've you found your route for walk and talk therapy whatever it is like i think it's important to create something with the mind that it, that it will be sustainable for the long term and potentially this means that you know over time if once we're able to go back in person that you keep a fairly robust for part of your practice telehealth or some of these other things. Like it, it can be that you're, you're shifting your whole model or you're just really digging in and making this work. So it's not, doesn't feel cobbled together. And, and like you're, you're still, it's kind of like that living out of a suitcase. Like it's put your clothes in the closet, <laughs> you know, you know, settle in, unpack and, and live in this space while it is our space versus feel like you're constantly just waiting for things to change back. And, you know, a couple of other tips on this, it, once you've done your self-assessment, is knowing how your how your needs kind of get met throughout the day. And yeah. this is, you know, not just waiting for the end of the workday to get away from your workspace, but taking breaks and yeah. not just doing one session right after the next, getting physically away from your telehealth station. It's making sure that we stay connected with other people who are going through the same things and i know the some of the absolute last things that i want to do after a full day of telehealth is like get on another zoom call just to hang out with (laughs) friends or because it's just more you know screen time but one of the things that katie and i are bringing back here is our happy hours we're going to be doing that once a month here for the foreseeable future and talking with some of our people that had been coming to a lot of these over the summer with us and they're so excited that it's coming back because it's a place of being around other people going through the same things and it's a place to commiserate and laugh and joke about this and some of the people who learned about these the therapy reimagined conference who are going to be able to get to know us in a, a little bit better way and we encourage a lot of you to come and join us too you know 
follow us on social media to know when those are coming up. We'll include our links to those in the show notes, but it's knowing that you're not going through this alone and having the support of the community, even in kind of some unstructured ways that just allow to go and be together. Yeah. And I think, I think we could talk about this for probably hours, but I think some takeaways set reasonable expectations for yourself after a self-assessment be in community. We have an opportunity for you to be in community with us, but also there are a lot of opportunities to connect with fellow clinicians. And I think sometimes it's important to be in community with clinicians because there's some of this stuff that people who are not therapists just don't get. I think the other thing, and this is going to kind of guide you to some other episodes that may be of help to you, create a schedule that works for you. I think we have a couple of different episodes. I think one's it's about time. There's the systems of self-care one that we did right before we went to Kauai and then the world changed. (laughs) (laughs) So it is, it is talking a little bit more specifically around in-person practices, but I think it has all of the things still hold. And I think making sure that you, like Kurt was saying, really plan your break strategically. And that means both within your day, you know, I do two sessions, a 30-minute break, two sessions, lunch, two sessions, a 30-minute break. I actually didn't yesterday. I was like, oh my gosh, this is why I had an intake. So it was longer. And I I didn't get my 30-minute break. I'm like, yep, I can't do this. But making sure you're doing those within your day. But also, even though you may not have anywhere to go, even though there's not a lot of fun things that are open, and hopefully... I guess we're putting this out in a couple of weeks. So maybe <laughs> maybe it will be <laughs> that you can go to, to places that would be more fun. Take vacation, take weekends off, like actually get away because just day after day after day of being a therapist does not make you a good therapist. You need the downtime. You need the breaks. You need the time away. You know, I'm I'm feeling the lack of creativity pretty acutely at times. And I know that, that that messes me up on my side hustles and all of those things. But it also means that it it can be harder to create the metaphors and see the patterns and look right. at the client and understand what's happening. And so to be the best therapist that we can be, we need to get some vacations in. Absolutely. So figure that stuff out, guys. Figure it out. We can do it. So we'll post links to these in our show notes, mtsgpodcast.com and follow us on our social media. And until next time, I'm Kurt Woodhelm with Katie Renoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.